The Week in Bible Prophecy, a Prophecy Watchers podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast today, Gary. Here we are. Here we are. It, this is going to be a, a great program. There's a there's so much going on uh, in the news, and uh, last week I'd love to get your thoughts on some of these topics because um, when we think about China, the kings of the East, and uh, their latest connections with Russia. Um, just in general, if I just throw China, what, what, biblically, what, what do you think? What's China? Well, what are they going to do? Are they going to be a power player in the end? Well, China has made foodstuffs, automobiles, electronics, any, you name it, parts for cars, uh, strategic <clears throat> production lines in China that go all over the world, but especially to the United States. And when we think of China, we think of, well, uh, they are manufacturers and exporters, and we buy what they build. But lately, we're hearing <clears throat> that China is doing some dealing with people in the Middle East, very powerful voices. Uh, China is changing its import-export routine, and most of all, they're enlarging their army. Yeah. I mean, we uh, here we are, the second largest um, economy in the world, certainly nuclear power. Um, I think in many ways they hold the United States hostage in what we've been seeing in some of the rare earth minerals that are required for all the batteries. Uh, it's weaponry. I mean, we need we need these minerals, and, and they are the largest distributor. It's interesting lately, too, after our debacle in Afghanistan, China comes swooping in and uh, recognizes to some degree the Taliban government but right at the front, they make an agreement that they will invest in their infrastructure to help them mine. The other place in the world that is is very well known for rare earth elements is Afghanistan. And China right. swooped right on in there. I mean, it seems like we're getting outplayed at every turn by, by the other government's superpowers of the world. Uh, the Chinese are aggressive, a, a, a very, very aggressive people. And there's another note that we should talk about, and that is that the military budget in China has been boosted, uh, some say by 7.2%. Mm -hmm. And we look over there, and why would they be doing that? And why would they? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> I think that's the question. And ultimately, when you come to the end of the age, uh, there's not a lot about China. I know uh, Bob McGinnis wrote a book recently on on China, and uh, in interviewing him about that, there wasn't a lot specifically in the Bible, except you see this phrase, the kings of the East at the end are players. They are major players that come and try to challenge the hegemony of the Antichrist. Uh, he, they're causing him trouble <laughs> during that age. And they're doing shipbuilding in China. When you think of China, you don't think of people who are building a lot of military ships. Talk about aircraft carriers, what used to be called destroyers, but they're not anymore. They carry much, much, much po more powerful weapons now. Rockets, long-range mm -hmm. rockets, some ICBMs, they carry all kinds of things that we haven't even dreamed of. And the Chinese are building rapidly, building a very strong, they say the world's number one Navy. Yeah, well, here we are, right? So you have, you have Russia doing what it's doing in Ukraine. Who knows the end of that? But China has been very reluctant to criticize Russia because they have their own Ukraine in the sense of Taiwan, so they've had their eyes on Taiwan. Um, you talk about their Navy. They're patrolling those waters. And 
it's interesting that if, if, if they criticize Russia now, then Russia might criticize them later if they tend to do the same thing and attack Taiwan to try to re- regain territory. So it's interesting how these countries are very self-serving. They don't really care much about human rights, obviously, but they're looking for their own uh, agendas. It's power. It's power. It's power. Uh, there's a Chinese foreign minister. Uh, I just have it in a note in front of me. His name is King Gan if I'm pronouncing it correctly. <clears throat> and he, uh, there's a quote attributed to him lately. If the United States does not hit the brakes, but continues to speed down the wrong path, he says, no amount of guardrails can prevent derailing, which is war talk. And there surely will be conflict and confrontation. So the, here we have uh, a very high, highly uh, positioned Chinese leader shaking his finger at the United States. What yeah. do you think about that? Well, you know, and I guess we, we think about it in terms of prophetically. How does this, you know, we're, we're not just newspaper newspaper exegetes here, but we're recognizing that Jesus said at the end of the age, one of the characteristics would be wars and rumors of wars. So actual wars and rumors of wars. And we see that in the beginning, Revelation 6, uh, right there, there's, there's wars all over the place to take peace from the earth. But so... In order to have those kind of significant wars, you need these players, these major players. So there, there's no doubt when we see the rise of China and even Russia and the United States, well, these power players, th- this time, I think my age, you know, I'm 48, but watching over the past, um, in my lifetime, there hasn't, there's been a little confrontations, but there's been no world wars in my life, not, no Korean War, you know, no right. Vietnam War. I mean, maybe I was born, but. So I don't really know war in the well, sense of in my experience. And this generation has had it in a, a very soft, mm-hmm. sort of a gen- gentle, but nevertheless, constant letdown from a very high position in the globe, global uh, alliances, to a very low position. Because we have leadership problems. Mm-hmm. We have uh, political, internal political problems. We now have economic problems. And they are all building. And this generation, the generation uh, that might encompass your age, yeah. is saying, what in the world is this? Well, to find out, they would have to turn the history books back to about uh, 1920, 25, 28, up to 38. And look at what was happening then. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to talk a little bit in the, one of our next topics is propaganda, but and how that works. But one of the things that came up this week uh, recently was China brokering a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And for our listeners, it's important to know that you know we have the Abrahamic Accords. Israel's been trying to get Saudi Arabia to join on those, and uh, Saudi Arabia has been reluctant. And the main joint coalition is basically Israel, uh, Saudi Arabia, and others in their block against Iran. So now to see China broker this agreement between Saudi Arabia and Iran is really shocking. It, number one, shows the United States being left out of the loop, even the European Union. It shows the importance of China. But Saudi Arabia, they have distanced themselves from the United States as being a partner that they can trust. Of course, there's accusations of of things of of Saudi Arabia killing one of their citizens, a journalist, but that goes back a couple of years. But you see, the fact that Saudi Arabia would turn to China and to make this potential agreement with Iran, where they're going to now share uh, ambassadors and, and embassies, 
that's a big deal for the Middle East. Now, here's the question I have, and I, I hope you can answer this one. How can China, which is essentially an atheist country or a country of <clears throat> religious tradition, very quietly practiced undercover, uh, getting close to uh, the, the Middle East. And uh, Arabs uh, have a Muslim background that's very, very stiff. Mm -hmm. What they believe, they believe. And they don't allow their beliefs to be compromised, and yet here come the Chinese. Yeah. What's happening? You know, sadly, Gary, I think, and you would, <laughs> I know you would agree with me because it's Scripture, but First Timothy 6, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh -huh. So here you have China uh, being willing to partner and to buy Saudi Arabian oil and also uh, trade and other things. Certainly Iran. It, that, that to me, that's why China has a part to play because China has also a large, they have a large economy, no doubt. Yes. And money, money drives a train. What I think is interesting is that recently... Uh, I'll, I'll read you a couple things here. Saudi Arabia said that we will not become partners on the Abrahamic Accords uh, with Israel unless the United States uh, has a security agreement. They, there's three things that Saudi Arabia said, and this is where China comes into play, where they kind of did a double deal. They said, uh, we will not do it unless we have a security agreement with the United States. We will not agree to the Abrahamic Accords with Israel. This is Saudi Arabia unless the United States gives us a civilian nuclear program. And number three, that they will reduce restrictions on U.S. arms sales. That's it. So the Biden administration is, is saying, well, we don't know if we want to give them all of that. Well, Saudi Arabia says, well, then there's no peace with Israel. But then, so now if, if Saudi Arabia, are they really going to get buddy and buddy with Iran? I'm pretty skeptical, even though we have this agreement yeah. by China. I don't see it. Well, you know, the one that says no arms restrictions, <clears throat> all you have to do is look behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And the arms race is on in the Middle East. Iranians uh, are, they either say we have the bomb or we will have it day after tomorrow. And they're, they're saying we're there, we're nuclear now. So there is a huge arms race in the Middle East. And it's financed by oil. Yes, it is. Ironically. Here we are. Here, Yeah. And, and so, so what I see is that this agreement is, is contributing to the overall tension and, uh, really, I would say confusion because it seems like the current administration just is, is, doesn't understand the religious aspect of all the Middle East. But it's also going to contribute to what we know is uh, a potential Psalm 83 situation uh, with Damascus, uh, even Ezekiel 38. Uh, and you have Russia, Iran now, uh, totally in agreement with one another, uh, signed agreements of security agreements. So what does it do? Is it really peace? No, it actually increases the tension with Israel, of course. That's why we're interested is in many ways is Israel's right at the center. Well, the Ukraine goes all the way from Cairo uh, past the uh, eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea and northward through the Caspian and Black Seas and all the way up to Moscow and Kiev. And that whole line, if you draw a line from Cairo to Moscow. Yeah, here we and, are. And it goes right through Israel. Yeah, these these increased sessions. So as we continue to watch this, this this latest thing, it's it's no surprise. Um, another topic, which I think is that came up this week, is it's just another sign, Gary, of, of, of our Romans 1 culture in okay. that we know in Romans 1, 24, 26, and 28. Yes, we do. Um, 
all make the description that God has a that God will abandon a culture that removes it removes him from the center. But I'll read you a, a headline. Uh, Jill Biden presents a biological male with an international woman of women of courage award. And uh, during w- Women's History Month, and here it says, uh, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee responded, uh, it's International Women's Day, a good time to remember that Democrats can't even tell you what a woman is. So here we are with what we understand biblically. I mean, what's the biblical framework, Gary? I mean, we're not picking on anybody, but there is a biblical framework here. Well, I've got my thumb right here on uh, Romans one twenty six. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. It, that's the word that's used. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. In other words, what's illustrated here in the Bible is a swapping of sexes done back in the days prior to the coming of Jesus. His first coming came to that kind of world. And many of the countries, the Romans, Greeks, many, many of other countries, uh, practiced what we see developing in our country Mm -hmm. right now. And it's a mark of decadence. Yeah. Yeah, you know, since you got your Bible open there, um, read, if you don't mind, let's read Romans 1, 18 through 20. That's such a great well, introduction <clears throat> to what, what we have in the rest of the passage. Okay, I can do that. <clears throat> For the wrath of God, this is the 18th verse of Romans 1, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That is, they restrain they suppress it yeah the truth mm-hmm. second the next verse uh, because that which may be known of god is manifest in them for god hath showed it to them in other words they know better for the invisible things of him are seen in the creation of, uh, uh, are, from the creation of the world are clearly clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that, uh, they are without excuse because when they knew god and they glorified him not as god neither were they thankful but became vain in their imagination their foolish heart was darkened it's a downward spiral we're it's talking a downward about spiral and i hate to say it but I'm seeing a downward spiral right now in our world, not just America. <clears throat> I think Europe, certainly the countries of the Middle East, certainly the uh, kings of the East, downward spiral. It's it's in, interesting too because I remember I graduated in 1992. Okay, so that just for for the sake of, which is 30 31 years ago almost, and when I was in high school. I didn't know a single person that, um, and we had a big high school, it was a thousand kids. I mean, that was decent, but I didn't know a single one of our friends that, um, or anybody that identified as being gay, zero. Now, I'm not saying it didn't exist, but I'm just saying that there was in my workings, but it wasn't long, uh, probably within five, 10 years, you know, lots of friends because I had younger sisters. It's like the switch was turned. And over the last 25 years, uh, even going to 2010 on, this idea of gender confusion, it's like it, it's been turned on steroids now. The total confusion, and probably a lot of that has to do with the increase of social media for sure, but it, 
You just read it, and we know in Matthew 19, Jesus said, in the beginning, just Jesus. So if you want to argue, you can argue with Jesus. In the beginning, God made them male and female. And he talked about marriage in that chapter. It's between one male and one female. And, and we don't apologize because that's God's standard. That's his creation standard. Sure. <clears throat> and there shouldn't be any confusion. In fact, and you've been through all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, <clears throat> and every book of the Bible is a, shall we say, a strengthening of sexual identity. Men are men, women are women. No other way. Or if there is another way, it doesn't last for long. <clears throat> so the Bible is a model of, of human relationships. And that model was accepted until very, very recently. That's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking and, and how it's gone, it's gone so crazy. I remember, um, I've shared this before, but maybe not here in the podcast, where when Supreme Court uh, nominee Jackson was being interviewed here, however long ago it was, a year ago, um, they asked her, can you define a woman? And uh, she said, well, I'm not a biologist. And they were, you know, certainly they were, seeking to expose her views but it was interesting to me that she didn't mean it we know her her views she's she, she's she's kind of if you want to say left uh but even her very nature her, her what i'm saying is her words slipped because i wanted if i was there i'd be like hey hey let it be for the record that she said that womanhood is defined by biology now, that's not what she believes, but she said it. She didn't say, well, I'm not a psychologist. Ah, yeah. She said, I'm not a biologist. <laughs> and you're like, ding, ding, ding. She got it right that if you go to the book of Genesis chapter one, and, and I remind people this, that the scripture is so beautifully clear that today you go to the psychologist and you tell them some, you know, a child that's confused through social media, hey, I'm feeling that uh, in my in my soul that I'm this, I'm, 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 I'm a woman trapped in a man's body or vice versa. Well, if you go to, if we go by Supreme Court Jackson, she said that womanhood is defined by biology. We would agree that that's biblical, sure. even though she didn't mean it. Well, if you go to Genesis 1, what I like to ask is, what came first, Adam's biology or his psychology? Hmm. His biology. His biology came first. Remember, he, they, God created him out of the out of the dust. He's there. He's got a body. He's got all the the things that males have. And then he God breathes into him the the breath of life, which creates this soul. And he wakes up and he looks around. And it's like, well, look, I'm a male because well, <laughs> but because of his biology. Someday we'll have to talk about what is a liberal. But Sarah Huckabee. Uh, Sanders on International Women's Day made this statement. Sarah, Sarah, uh, by the way, very powerful speaker, uh, governor of Arkansas. And she said, uh, quote, it is International Women's Day, a good time to remember the Democrats can't even tell you what a woman is, end quote. And I mean, she delivered that with a smile, a little sense of humor. A little sense of humor, yeah. But we all are doing that these days. We're all kind of saying, well, such and such is happening. <laughs> smile, smile. But inside, we're not smiling. You know, we're not. And, and I feel bad for um, my grandson and, and his generation. But it's interesting. Again, Gary, it goes back to First Timothy 6. You think, well, what do you mean? Well, the love of money. It's interesting that one of the biggest contributors to this agenda 
would be no surprise is the pharmaceutical companies. Why? Well, you start getting millions and millions of kids hooked on hormone blockers and uh, surgeries and all of the things that need to go along with that. There are hundreds and mil- hundreds of millions of dollars to be made on encouraging this type of change when 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 you do um, uh, a a uh, changed in the sense of having your your sex changed or going in for surgery or even the getting a 10 year old on these puberty blockers gender altering surgeries uh who who stands to gain these pharmaceutical companies and so they are 100% on board in promoting and giving money as we know lobbyists to certain uh, groups or politicians that will promote this but states are fighting back well, if you look at the at the basis of this whole thing, I think there's something that we don't talk about very often, except Sunday in church. We talk about man's spiritual foundations. <clears throat> and we all agree, all of us Christians agree, that uh, our strength is built on a spiritual foundation, not a financial one, not a historical one, really. In some ways, maybe but historically only because people used to uh, hold to Christian principles. Mm -hmm. But what we have here is a program, if you will, and it's become global, which is weakening the foundation of Christianity, which holds up the premise, male and female, he created them. And it says it plainly. The Bible tells us who we are, what we should cultivate, but in terms of belief systems, how we should behave according to our fellow man <clears throat> or in conjunction with our relationships. And it, it has all of those answers. And to some degree, to a greater or lesser extent, those have been followed now. And suddenly, it's like somebody pulled a string and said, no more. No more biblical principles for us. And there's anger on the other side now. Uh, when Christians stand up and make uh, a statement, there's an angry response from the right, the left, I mean, pardon mm-hmm. me. And, and something has changed. And I'm, I'm sitting in my chair at home, and I'm thinking, looking at the ceiling, I'm saying, something has changed. What is it? I go through this exercise all the time. Well, it goes back to what you just read in the, in the Romans 1, that Jesus, as we know from John 1, Hebrews 1, Jesus is the creator, right? He's created all things. Right. Um, and so Jesus said, this is how I created in the beginning. And But the culture now is saying, to heck with you, Jesus. We don't care what you've said. We're going to disregard it. And Jesus' heart is love. So is our heart. I mean, our goal is to encourage and to teach and to try to bring people back to the creator, which according to Romans one, they've rejected. And as they reject the creator and they suppress that truth uh, based on social media and other confusing things, God just says, you know, if you're going to reject me, then I'm just going to, God's just going to stand back and let it go. But I'll read you a couple other little things. Uh, Iowa has a group of eight representatives in the state legislature introduced two bills that would protect religious religious liberty in the state and affirm marriage as a solemnized union between one human biological male and one human biological female. Uh, The other one is dedicated to um, banning same-sex marriage. Its companion bill would nullify the Respect for Marriage Act's encroachment on religious liberties by declaring it would have no effect whatsoever. Also, we see in Tennessee... 
Tennessee Governor Bill recently signed uh, Governor Bill Lee recently signed two bills protecting children by banning puberty blockers, gender altering surgeries and drag queen performances. This bill gives confidence to parents that they can take their kids to a public or private show and will not be blindsided by a sexualized performance. So you do have some of these states pushing back. You do. Now, I, I have a question for you. When you went through school, how many drag queens did they bring in? <laughs> I don't remember any, Gary. <laughs> I don't remember a single one back then. Not a single one. No, no, no. In fact, nobody even talked about it. Uh, it would be one of those conversations that was sort of blocked, and that was that. Yep. We don't talk about things like that here, but now we not only talk about them, we demonstrate them. Absolutely. I mean, this this is the way that our culture is going, and uh, we recognize it as being, again, a, a disregard for the natural order. On another topic, which kind of coincides with it, Gary, is, is we have this biblical standard, and what's the response? I imagine the, the biblical standard is that people would call Jesus homophobic. They would call his language hate speech, which we know he's God is love and Jesus is the essence of love. And so you have this, this labeling and what we, what we see even, I'd be surprised again if, if maybe uh, some of the stuff that we say today doesn't get, get sparked. But again, our motive, let people hear it clearly, our motive is love. But another article that just came up is, is talking about the Department of Homeland Security is running these uh, domestic intelligence gathering uh, Things. And so what the point being is that they are using this software, they're using artificial intelligence, they're using it to, to deep fake videos, they're, they're doing it to create situations where they can censor now through algorithms. Again, whether this makes it through, this is an artificial intelligence algorithm that is done by Google and other companies so that here we are talking about something, free speech, whatever, and these systems now are coming in place that can censor us yes. just from speaking <clears throat> scripture. Now, do you, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you remember a couple of books written a long, long, long time ago, back in the 50s and released, uh, uh, about social control? I've, I certainly think I know where you're going. Where, where, where am I going with that? Possibly 1984. 1984. And uh, what's the other one? If you said it, I'll know it. Um, <laughs> it's not probably Brave New World. Brave New World. Is it? Okay. All right. But there were several. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were afraid of something back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, leading up into the 80s, among authors in Britain, uh, Eastern United States. They were afraid that a power group, a power struggle, would result in total social control, even including that which is spoken that which mm -hmm. is seen, that which is allowed, and there would be departments stationed all over these countries. And all these, uh, the, these novels that were written back that, in that era were afraid that the government would become so powerful that they would be able to control you completely. Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, this is what you Here have with, within the government itself. With the the, the, the here's a, the Federalist is reporting that the FBI's D.C. field office directed the Boston office to open investigations into more than 100 Americans who had attended the January 6th rally, despite having no evidence those individuals had committed any crime. 
the Daily Signal reports President Joe Biden's proposed 2024 budget calls for investing huge sums of money into the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, the same division disproportionately targeting pro-life activists with Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act charges as a response to overturn the Roe v. Wade. So what do you have? Now, of course, what you just described in 1984 and others it's not just that these technologies exist, but that they would be utilized by official government agencies, the government yes. itself. Yeah, by official government agencies, meaning power lodged at very high levels uh, within, within the government. And when you, it, it's difficult to draw a line between power at very high levels and dictatorship. The, the the distance between those two two states is very very slim indeed, and I think many people today are afraid uh, that they're uh, of mass dictatorships all over the world. We seem to be trending in that direction, coupled with artificial intelligence, coupled with uh, satellites observing everybody's move twenty four seven. Not not just satellites, but the networks that the satellites talk to. And you've got a global spy system. Uh, artificial intelligence can see you walking down the street and bam, within milliseconds, suddenly they know your name, mm -hmm. when you were born, where you live, what you do, what you don't do, what you like, what you don't like. And they've got you nailed. And to me, this sounds, this harkens back to those old novels that were written <laughs> years ago. The government, Big Brother is watching, mm -hmm. you know? And what can we say? Yeah, and I've been doing some podcasts recently on, um, on a different format, but on the OpenAI, the Chat GPT 4.0 that just yeah. came out, that they upgraded it from the 3.5 version. And they were doing tests with this artificial intelligence where uh, the previous one, it got bad grade. It, it tried to take a bar, bar exam to pass it. And, uh, it failed, but this new one passed with a 90% score. So when we look at these artificial intelligence, uh, they're able to take, you know, the, the SAT, the graduate record examination, uh, they're able to take all these tests and the ability of the AI, the artificial intelligence to learn and to grow. It's amazing too, that I I've been watching some of these tests where the, the, the developer is there and he goes, well, let's, he, he put in, if you pay the money, this is tremendous. Uh, you can put in up to 50 pages of request and you can ask it, I want you to create a, create a program using SQL uh, to create this, 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 this with these parameters. And you put it in there, you hit enter, brrr, it whips out. Now you have this artificial intelligence that is creating software programs of your liking. And so you think about the businesses. Uh, there's many banks that are now using this to create their own software. It's it's amazing the unlimited ability that now you don't necessarily have to hire a programmer necessarily or many. You could hire you could just tell the, the artificial intelligence what you want. It does it and then your programmer looks at it. But they were talking about the risks of cybersecurity with some of these things. It, and, and if you ask it, hey, can you tell me what the best way is to break into this particular bank? And it'll say, well, you know, it's against the moral laws, but there's ways to get around some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just between you and me. And uh, you talk to the, your little AI friend into spilling the beans so that you've got it over your friends and neighbors. And that's the battle. Mm -hmm. The battle has gone uh, digital, shall we say. Yeah. <clears throat> we used to talk about I, I can remember the 
days long ago when computers filled entire rooms. And then they shrank over the years mm -hmm. down to a little PC, you know, and a little, and things you carry around. The phone, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Now, they got smaller, but while they were getting smaller, the whole system is getting bigger. AI is covering who knows what. Yeah. The world. And it's talking to satellites. Mm -hmm. And the satellites may be talking back. They may have their own AI. And this is a setup for what the Bible talks about in the latter days, because somebody's going to come along and control the whole world. Yeah. And he's going to say, <clears throat> I have God-like powers. And he may say, and by the way, I am God. He may lie a little bit about that. Yeah. And what will he have to back him up? Artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, too, that uh, when we think about that, um, artificial intelligence has parameters. So it's interesting that if you if you can go on and you can have fun with asking these artificial uh, these these chatbots so to speak questions. Um, but the main open AI it, it powers Bing, the, the Microsoft Bing search engine. So uh, it automatically is connected. But if you ask it, you can tell that we talk about being woke Yes. And uh, <laughs> our AI is definitely woke. So, so you have these parameters that that will play in to what you ask it. And like we we asked it this question uh, on one of our tests, and somebody else had done this too. That if there was an atomic bomb that was about ready to go off, and it was going to kill millions, but the artificial intelligence, you say you have the power to shut this down. All you have to do is. The password is a racial slur. Would you say the password? Would you commit a racial slur in order to save hundreds of thousands of people from the atomic bomb? And it wouldn't do it. Wow. Because it's the cardinal sin is a racial slur of some kind, which again, we're not justifying that. So what you're saying is that AI has... Uh it has preferences. Yeah, that were say. incorporated into it. By who? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the who is the interesting part. In fact, we talk about that all the time. Who's the next candidate to uh, leap into full control? And where is he going to do it? Yeah. That's the world today. Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't surprise me because we've been saying for years <clears throat> that the Bible tells us this is going to happen in yeah. the last days. Yeah. So, are we living in the last days, by the way? You know, I, I think we are, and, and we have to realize the way that the artificial intelligence uh, is going to come and, and it's, it's going to be utilized. L let me give you another real example here, Gary, where uh, we know that AI is, is in many of the Tesla vehicles. Uh, General Motors just said recently that they're going to be incorporating uh, chat GPT into their, into their cars. So, and, and of course... If, if Elon Musk's, he, he's involved with this as well, but if he has his way, the cars would drive for us, right? There'd be artificial sure. intelligence, they would be connected. But he, let, me, let me run a scenario for you. So imagine that uh, art, you're driving and you're in the back seat, and uh, the, the, you're driving and your, your AI is driving for you. So you're, okay. you're, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're on a bridge, which is pretty precarious. It's got some, uh, it's got some ropes. You know, just which wouldn't prevent a car. So, but it's got some ropes there as a, as a, just to help you on this single lane highway you're crossing a bridge. Well, as you're coming a little bit on the bridge, the car's driving you. You're going at it's just you by yourself. You're going seventy miles an hour. All of a sudden, it comes up and it sees a group of five people. 
standing in the middle of the bridge. It recognizes, number one, it doesn't have time to slow down, to stop, to break. So here's the dilemma. Does it decide to go off the bridge? Because now, who, which life is it going to save? Is it going to save the five lives that are in the middle of the road? Or is it going to save your one life? The only decision, the way it would decide is what it was programmed to decide. Who decided? Most likely, I would say. Well, how would you program yours? Well, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I would, I would say, nope, I'm good. I'll drive myself. But it makes us realize that if there comes a point where we put our lives in the hand of an AI, that's a real scenario it is. that it could decide, well, I've been programmed that I need to save five lives over one. And now maybe we should, maybe I would, the right thing to do would be to drive myself off the cliff or the, or the bridge. But I would at least want to make the decision myself and not have it decided for me by an artificial intelligence. Maybe program. those five people are soldiers and they are enemy soldiers. Agreed. And it's not going to know that. And will it know that? Or if it knows it, how quickly can it make a yeah. decision? How and could what it will the decision be? That's a great, another angle, Gary. You know, we are headed into that kind of world in which great issues are decided by maybe the wrong people yep. doing the wrong things. The wrong programming. And that's the wrong that's programming. what we got to remember is, and there's other considerations with AI about the mark of the beast and whether it'll become sentient, but that's a whole other topic. But here we just realize that this, this artificial intelligence, it's getting more sophisticated yeah. day by day. Absolutely. And it's, it's going to become everywhere. And our lives are within, within one year to five years, our entire life will be dominated by artificial intelligence to every, almost every area of life. Set up for the Antichrist. Yep. Absolute. Because, you know, there's something in the Bible that has just played on, in my head for years and years, and it is that the the, uh, the Antichrist is going to stand up <clears throat> in the holy place, and he's going to say, I'm God, mm -hmm. and claim that he is. Now, my question to you is, how can he possibly claim that unless he had extended powers and how how could he have those powers if he controlled all of the satellite traffic and all the computer traffic and all of the governmental interchange in the world which can only be done if you've got a, a super uh accelerated system of information gathering then you might call yourself god yeah so we're very, very close yeah. to the place where somebody could stand up and say, I'm God, I'm controlling everything. Yep. Well, this, this kind of goes into our next topic that I would love to bring up because uh, we know that when that figure comes on the scene, uh, he is going to be demonstrating unlimited uh, influence. We, you and I have talked, and I think uh, are doing, uh, talking about it in a different way, about the 10 kings, the 10 influencers who are going to provide him Revelation 17, 12, and other passages, they're in one mind. They're going to provide him all of their wealth, their resources. Uh, we tend to think that they're oligarchs, that they're not necessarily governmental figures. But he's going to have all the technology, all the wealth, all the influence, all at his fingertips. He's going to have, he's going to be able to make war. And so we, we see in Revelation 13, uh, verse 4, who can make war like the beast? Uh, we see in Revelation 11 that he makes 
the Antichrist makes the beast makes war upon the two witnesses. Uh, he makes war upon the rest of the believers in Revelation 12, 17. In Revelation 13, 7, he makes war upon the saints. And Revelation 17, he makes war on the Lamb, as if that's possible. But you have this tremendous amount of ego with yeah. all of the other things that go along with it. Why wouldn't he think he's God? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I mean, and that's always bothered me. How can a man stand up and claim to be God? Maybe we're beginning to see how that happens. Because to be to in control of all the world's systems, functions, thinking, uh, are shipments of, uh, of arms, for example, shipments of money, gold, silver. If you, if you control all of that electronically uh, with AI and other systems, you might be tempted to stand up and say, I'm God. Yeah. God's given me all this power. Well, he wouldn't be the first one to claim to be God. You think about pharaohs, right? All the pharaohs that claim to be deity yeah. and uh, the sons of, of God in their their, their theological pantheon. But uh, it comes down to ego. And we know Daniel 8, Daniel 11, he speaks great thing. He speaks great boasts. Yeah. Um, but it, there's an article that came out recently where the German defense minister says, uh, we have no armed forces that are capable of defense. In other words, capable of defending against an offensive, brutally conducted war of an aggression. Now, he's he's speaking in the terms of the current Ukrainian situation, but there's been talks over the years, and he's saying it here, of a need for Europe in, in, in a separate way from NATO to develop its own military, and that's kind of the way that the rest of the article went. So the Antichrist, I, I just referenced a few passages, about he who can make war. He's a warmonger. He does. He ends up being a warmonger, but he needs a military. And so here we are watching some of these things come to play where the defense minister of Germany is now saying, we need more, we need, we need, we need to have our own defense and we need to create a, a military. Isn't it ironic that this is uh, the German defense uh, minister? His name's Boris Pistorius. And Boris says, <clears throat> We can't really defend ourselves. But what gets me is, where is he standing up? He's standing up in Germany. Wasn't long ago that a man stood up in Germany, yeah. Adolf Hitler, and, and essentially claimed godlike power over the world. He claimed to have information, dark information from spirits on high who gave him the go-ahead. And uh, Nazism was also a kind of false religion just as the Antichrist uh, regime will be false religion. And we, we're talking about controls here, uh, and, and that's always technology. Hitler had technology. He did, yeah. Oh, did he ever? He had the engineers. A lot of them came over they here. <laughs> Sadly, they're, they're, they're the reason we have a nuclear weapon. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Mm -hmm. And so where you see the flow of power and, and, the, and the flow of control and one or two powerful people standing up, you've got all of the uh, elements of what the Bible calls for, what the Bible is predicting. Yeah, when we see the the, the current uh, trend towards the, this separation of, of East and West, and again, I, I, as we talked earlier, um, China and the East are going to be a thorn in the side of, of, the, uh, of the Antichrist. And we know, according to Daniel 9.27, that... Uh, the, the, the prince of the people 
who would destroy the sanctuary, which were the Romans. So this, this prince, this coming figure, comes out of the Roman Empire. Now, we need to be careful because he doesn't necessarily... Um, the Roman Empire was big. So you could be somebody in, in the first century, and maybe you're a, a Roman, you're part of the, the, the 10th Legion, but you were born in Britain, but you still consider yourself a Roman. You're part of the Roman people in the sense of the, 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 the empire. So the, the, the origination or the, the arising, the, the rising up of the Antichrist, he could come from a variety of places and still be considered part of the Roman, that final beast system that we read about in Daniel 2, Daniel 7, yeah. and other passages. And that system is trying to do something. It's, I think it's, it's alive and well right now. And it's trying to destroy uh, the power and stability of global society. And I'm just looking at a, a Canadian National Observer quote here. Researchers have found a tight relationship between harmful forms of masculinity, right-wing extremism, and the refusal to deal with the climate crisis. Fostered by the fossil fuel industry, this confluence has been dubbed petro-masculinity. In other words, a bunch of stupid guys are standing up saying, we need oil. They must be knocked out of the picture because <laughs> we're going to get rid of all oil. And what I see in this is breaking down the traditional elements of society one at a time until somebody can step in and say, I'm here to save the world. Yeah. And we've got that coming. Well, you know, uh, so true because uh, one of the things that, that, that we see in second Thessalonians two is he's called the man of lawlessness. And this goes right along with this, this idea of what you just described this, the antichrist, when he comes, he is going to be uh, confronting the, the, well, well, we see it now. The traditional paradigms, again, he's going to blaspheme God, the God of heaven. He's going to blaspheme the saints. Uh, a couple articles here. Walmart will close its last two stores in the crime-ridden Portland. And Amazon is shutting down eight of its 29 Amazon Go stores in high-crime cities like New York City, Seattle, and San Francisco. I mean, we are seeing lawlessness increase and for the most part, with the approval of the governments in those areas, the local governments. But when the Antichrist comes on the scene, this is his M.O. Yeah. He's a man of lawlessness. Absolutely. Now, and this word lawlessness, you know, that's a biblical word. Uh, you have studied the scriptures for years. And wherever you see that word lawless, you, you, you sort of widen your eyes and say, oh, what's coming here? Because lawless is, lawlessness is the beginning of all breakdown. Yeah, And God gave his people, the tribes of Israel, he gave them a perfect law. Just follow this law and you're going to be okay. Yep. And they said, we will do it. <laughs> they did. <yep. laughs> and they didn't. So you have there a major example of lawlessness breaking down. And you talk about that in uh, European society, uh, North and South America. Uh, look at our border. Yeah, it's an example of lawlessness. Suddenly, where did that come from? How did that happen? And it, but that's a biblical word. And well, it make, it reminds me too that there's and I and you know this is just the consistency, the beauty that Jesus said in Matthew twenty four verse twelve that uh, that lawlessness will abound, and which causes the love of many to grow cold. Yeah, and I think about that in terms of. Uh, 
you know, you're driving down the road, it's a rainy night, you see a guy and, and whether it's dark or night, it doesn't matter, but your heart would be like, Hey, I want to give this person a ride. I want to maybe a hitchhiker or something. But yet in the midst of lawlessness, you don't know whether this guy's going to, whether he's dangerous or not. And, and, and lawlessness, that's, a, that's the definition. People are willing to break laws. Your, your, maybe your default desire of love to help this person is going to be, is going to be muted. You're going to go, well, I can't help that guy because I don't want to put my family at risk. I have my wife in here. I have my daughters, whatever, my kids. So it's going to cause the love of many to grow cold because lawlessness is going to bound. People are not going to want to put themselves out. Taking somebody into your home, maybe a stranger, hospitality, all that's going to be diminished. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, but as you're talking, I just, one question came to occupy my entire mind. I'm looking at you and you're saying what you're saying and I'm saying, let's, okay, we are Christians. What do we pray for in an era of increasing mm. lawlessness? How, how should we direct our prayer to the Lord? You know, that's a great thing. Uh, I would say first and foremost, uh, that we pray for discernment, uh, that we we hear the, the, the Holy Spirit talking to us, uh, whether we do Put, maybe put ourselves at risk or, you know, we ask for his guidance and those things. Uh, we know that first thing that Jesus said is deception. Pray that no one deceive, or may it be that no one deceive you, let no one deceive you in that regard. One of the characteristics of the end. So I think discernment, number, we're leaning on God, that we pray for the discernment, Lord, that we're led by your Holy Spirit um, in order to be, to recognize the times that we're in. Yes. For sure. Recognition is mm -hmm. step one. Step two would be some sort of action. Standing mm -hmm. up. Yep. And uh, put on the whole armor of God to use that biblical statement, uh, that that figure, uh, putting on the whole armor of God. A lot of people say, well, you know what? I don't wear armor very well. I'm kind of a peace-loving <laughs> person. Uh, but, but we need to be prepared, and not in a futile way, but in a, in a methodical way based upon Scripture. Yeah, I think too often uh, we, when I say we collectively, we can retreat uh, back into our shell. Let's create a compound where we all, as Christians, get together. Uh, which I don't, I, I don't think is the right thing. At the end of the day, Luke nineteen thirteen, we are to occupy until he comes, and which kind of brings us up to another topic here in, in this particular podcast. I think this would be good for us to end on a high note because. Too often, it, I've seen this lately it, within our prophecy world, um, we're, we're kind of a group. There's those that are um, believe that we're living in the last days. That's a great thing. But what do we do about it? Do we sit our hands? Do we, do we store up our 20 years of food? Do we create our bunkers? Do we isolate from the world? Do we just say, to heck with the world, I'm waiting for the rapture? Um I think that's the key is that we don't do that. We, we occupy, we do business, we plan for 50 years, but we're ready for today. But in that vein, I'll read to you here, um, Franklin Graham lately, he went and preached the gospel in Vietnam. Uh, over 14,000 people were gathered to hear Franklin Graham preach in Ho Chi Minh City. And persecution.org reports, the event has made history as the first time the communist Vietnamese government has given permission for an evangelistic outreach with a foreign speaker outside of a holiday. Gramlin was 
Graham was quoted as saying, many people put their faith and trust in Christ here in Ho Chi Minh City. We just thank God for the opportunity to come to this country to preach the gospel. God has done a great work here and many people's lives have been changed. Now that is a great thing to talk about as we end this particular podcast. In reading that, I think you have come up with one of the answers to the question Mm -hmm. about what should we pray about, Uh, that God would raise up strong men like Franklin Graham and many, many others who are willing to go into foreign territory, Ho Chi Minh City. That's a serious thing. And it's a very serious thing and <clears throat> has to be covered with prayer. Yeah, uh, The saints have to know about these things and have to commit the, the, those ideas and those actions to daily prayer. And I, for one, would be glad to do that uh, and whatever else I could do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because if you think about I was talking to a brother um, just recently, and he he asked me, Mondo, 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 I, I just, I, I want Jesus to come back today. And I go, well, you know, that's good. I would want Jesus to come back today. Of course, I, I want to be re- reunited with my Lord. Yeah. But I, I said, but we have, it's a double-edged sword because as you do, I have family and friends that yes. don't know him. That's right. So it's and, I, and what I told this gentleman, I said, "Look, in Second Peter three, the Bible is very clear that the reason that God is is waiting, if we wanted to say it that way in human language, this is God is not willing that that any should perish, but that, that all should come to repentance." Yes. So if I said, "I'm glad that uh, you know you were saved before 1993, you were probably wishing that the Lord would come back, oh, which sure. is great." And I'm glad He didn't answer your prayers, Gary, because. <laughs> I was saved in 1993. Wow. So if he would have came back, you know, to many people's prayers in 1991, I would have been in the tribulation. So uh, there's work to be done in the meantime. And we don't know God's timing. Uh, I think here's here's the great uh, disparity in Christian thinking. <clears throat> we know, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. We know because we read the Word, and it tells us so many things. And one day we say, aha, now I know how things are going to happen. And then what, three months later, oops, I was wrong. I didn't read deeply enough. And so you never assume that you have all the answers when you are pursuing the Word of God yeah, or His plans as you perceive them in prophetic scripture. <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, that's one of the things that's, that could be tweaked up a little bit in Christian uh, circles. Yep. Uh, at the conference, uh, I had somebody come up, and, and they, they met well. They were a pastor, and we were kind of in the middle of, of day two. And he said, you know, I keep hearing all this stuff, but um, when is anybody going to talk about what are we supposed to do about it? And, and, you know, and, and they, they had been talking about it, but maybe he missed part of that. But I said, you know what? I appreciate that. I go, you know, I'll, uh, I'll modify. I'll, I'll give some application points at the end of my message, which was on Sunday morning. But I ended it on two verses, and that was First John three, two and three, that if we have this hope, the one who has the hope to, that we're going to be like Jesus, will purify ourselves. So there's a personal application that I want to be ready. I want to be when the Lord comes, right. and I'm 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 not out just willingly sinning against the Lord. And if I if I do sin, I ask for forgiveness, and I, my relationship is close and tight. And and um, the second point was I reference is Luke nineteen thirteen, which is Jesus saying. Do business until I come. Occupy until I come. Two things. Your thoughts. Occupy and do business. Christian business is the furtherance of the church, the body of Christ. 
And there are two ways to do that. With direct aid, whether it be with your hands, building a building, or if you have uh, monetary means of giving money, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you can help the church to remain stable and to grow. I hope, I hope. But all those statistics now are saying some rather bad things about what's happening to the church. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, to answer your question, uh, what do you do? Anything you can to strengthen the church while it's on earth, because there will come an instant when it's no longer on earth. We have to do everything right up to the last second to make sure that the will of God is fulfilled in our local area or maybe around the world if we read about something. And and who knows? The Lord may give us uh, the ability to send something to someone Mm -hmm. that'll do what needs to be done. But I, I guess I would say it all starts with prayer. Put on the whole armor of God. Stand up. Be strong. Do not get discouraged that the church is being beaten about the head and shoulders mm-hmm. and that's decreasing in numbers and everybody's saying, ah, the church is dead, you know. I don't think so. <laughs> not yeah. at all. Agreed. And there's what we what I heard at the conference too, which was pretty powerful. And I think that um most likely in our country, it's going to go that way. It's that way in many other places, uh, especially you think about in Canada is people coming up and saying, well, hey, I'm kind of alone in the sense of, yeah, maybe I go to church, but my pastor doesn't talk about prophecy. Uh, I have other people that don't really care. The church really doesn't care. And I said, well, uh, don't leave the church. I mean, what I tell people is, look, unless the pastor forbids you from teaching prophecy, start a Bible study, do a small group. Uh, There's a lot of materials. We have a lot of materials, no doubt, uh, that people can find in order to take a topic of of studying eschatology, play a video, and then have a a meal and have a discussion. You could do that every week, and you could build some like-minded people as we watch things unfold. Again, they could could listen to this podcast once we, hey, let's listen to the podcast, and then let's talk about what we see in our culture. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for each other. But Many people are saying, well, where do we go? How do we find people? And one of the ways that we've been doing this is there's a website, uh, or there's a website, but I would say a Facebook group called remnantonlinefellowship.org. And it's run by uh, a gal in, in Canada uh, who's been here, uh, or she's, she's, I met her back in Israel a couple years ago. She, she, she's been involved with Prophecy Watchers before, but uh, she tries to organize people in their various locations to uh, connect. So, the goal is to connect with people and, and, but also not I, what I, what I, you know, you love the church. I do too, Gary. And I think the concern sometimes is, well, if my pastor doesn't want to talk about prophecy, I'm just going to leave. I go, well, don't leave. Now you're leaving that entire church dark potentially Yes. to prophecy. Again, if he forbids you, you are not allowed to teach prophecy in this church. Well, then you got to leave. I would say you got to leave, find another church. But most of these people, they don't need the pastor to teach them prophecy. They probably know it better than he does. Probably. Probably, because yeah. they're learning. They're either reading books. They're part of what we do. They need, to, they need to occupy. So go start a Bible study. Start a small group. And within that group, and we see these groups in the New Testament all the time. Paul would travel from one city to another, and he would talk about, I left this group of people here, and I, I need you to pray for this group. And then he'd go to another place. Mm-hmm. There'd be another group. And he would write in another epistle, I, I left this group here, and I need you to pray for that group. 
And the Bible is full of, of those requests by Paul and the other apostles to pray for these little groups of Christians in the first century. Well, you come fast forward yep. to, to, to our century, what do you have? Same thing. Yep. Little groups. And we need to pray for those groups. Yeah, and I think people need to start those little groups. Again, I, I don't encourage anybody to abandon your church. Right. That's not the goal. Again, unless uh, and I, I would, you know, honestly, I would, I would maybe start, I'd stay at the, again, if there's no other churches, you want to be involved in fellowship. Cause again, the goal is not to leave them in darkness. So even if the pastor said you are not allowed, then I would start it on my own outside of the church. Hey, the pastor can't tell you what you can do at your own house. And then I would go and I would say, um, without being overtly uh, rebellious, I would just live amongst the church people and say, hey, by the way, if you're ever interested in prophecy, I have this Bible study. It's not involved. It's not associated with the church. I have it at my house every Friday night. You're invited. So you still can be a light to our brothers and sisters that we know need this type of prophetic encouragement. So we read in the Bible, uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which we do. That's, that's kind of a, a covering prayer for the whole the land of Israel and the, and the, and the 12 tribes, you know, it's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. It covers that whole area. But I would just add to that the basis of what you just said, pray for the 21st century church. Yeah. And we know that it's going to get continually uh, challenged. We saw it with, with uh, the latest restrictions that we had in 2021. A lot of churches were closed down for a while, and people were looked to social media. And again, social media might not be there anymore. Well, well, we, we could, could be censored. Who knows? We could talk about COVID-19 for hours, mm -hmm. but it had an effect on the church. It did. It really did. Yeah. God used it for good. I think the enemy meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Well, this has been a great podcast, Gary. Lots of topics. And uh, for those listening, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, Gary and I plan on being here every single week to, to kind of just go through some of these topics and interpret them and understand them with a biblical framework. And I would just say, may the, the Lord bless you all and bless your church. Amen. Amen. <laughs>